the Lord declared in Do- Doctrine and Covenant, section 88, that the soul of man is body and spirit. That's a revolutionary doctrine. Go search all of, over religion, and you will not find a religion other than the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that believes that the soul of man is body and spirit. We believe they are inseparably connected, which is why Joseph F. Smith has this vision about the spirit world. He sees the spirits that were in there, not freed from their bodies, not rejoicing that that shell of a disaster of a body is gone and now I'm free. What were the spirits feeling? Bondage. The loss of their body was bondage. They are inseparably connected. And that's such a key to understanding some helps for our mental and emotional health. I don't mean to get all dark, but uh, that makes you think about suicide now, does it? Um, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just killing the you, body. You may you may think you're trying to escape your problem. Well, are you really escaping? That's an interesting thought. Body and spirit are inseparably connected. So here's our premise. Again, I am not a mental health expert. I am not here to say let's gather all the best in the mental health world and bring it into the gospel. I am here to say to them and to you that we are in possession of some tremendous doctrines and truths that will help the fight and the challenges we face in mental and emotional health. There are answers in the gospel. So we're going to focus on that. We're going to take that aspect to say, what do we know in the gospel that will help all of us in our whole mental health regimen? So knowing that these are connected, body and spirit are connected. If I take a baseball bat and hit this one, does this one feel it? Of course it does. If I'm struggling with depression, does this one struggle? Of course it does. And we need to understand that relationship. What affects one affects the other. So quite often we focus exclusively here on our fight against mental and emotional health. My premise in this class is we put weight on ourselves by some of the false doctrines we believe. If I am bound down by a false belief, if something's pulling my spirit down, is it going to have an effect over here? Now, let me be clear. I don't believe that if I just have faith and say prayers and fast, my depression goes away. I am not saying that. What I'm saying is my depression doesn't need help. And if I believe something false that's pulling my spirit down, it's going to pull me down mentally, physically, emotionally, in every other way. And my depression doesn't need help. So let's lift the burdens that we typically have. I am fascinated by the statistics that religious people have greater struggles with mental and emotional health. Utah has one of the highest suicide rates and use of mental health medicines than the rest of the country. And I don't know that I have all the answers, but I believe I've had a front row seat for long enough to suggest it's because we have some incorrect ideas 
that weigh down our spirits. And if it's pushing my spirit down, what effect does it have over here? And my depression doesn't need any help. So let's lift those and stop this weight that we're feeling. So. As someone who grew up um, in, to convert parents in Los Angeles, um, I kind of see there's definitely a subculture in Utah that's not exactly in tune with doctrine. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> even within like this first part of the church, um, there's a lot of things that are believed as doctrine when they're not. Yeah. Um, and again, any false doctrine that weighs my spirit down is going to weigh me down. You have had a front row seat. So we've been tackling some of those doctrines. One doctrine, for example, is what does God expect of this life? And we talked about cherubim and the flaming sword, that God granted us a probationary state. And yet so many of you don't grant yourself one. You don't allow yourself to have the experience, the mistakes that were intended. You don't grant yourself a probationary state. Another doctrine, as we talked about, we need to clearly understand the expectation of how do I gain salvation? I would guess that if I grab the average Latter-day Saint and say, tell me how to be saved, how to go to the celestial kingdom, outside of, well, you have to obey every single commandment, they couldn't explain it. And so last week we talked about that process. It's very clearly spelled out in the scriptures. And it's something that every saint can do. Grace for grace. A little bit here and a little bit there. And we ended last week with this promise. One of the greatest promises I've ever found in the scriptures. A promise that the Father himself puts his name on. And that is, if you are pressing forward, grace for grace, and then you die. Thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. It's more achievable than most people realize. Just press forward, be in the process until you die, and you will be saved. You will be exalted. But I want to focus on the previous sentence. And this is where I told you we'd leave off. Life is pressing forward. Ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ. Just move, move forward. I know you're going to take a few steps back, but move generally forward. The last one, number three, is the two great commandments. That should be expected. You love God and you love your fellow men. There's the two great commandments. But today I want to focus on that second one. Having a perfect brightness of hope. I think one of the things that the church is struggling with, I know a lot of people who claim they're having a faith crisis. But what's bigger than a faith crisis right now in the church are the hope crises I see so many people having. What so many people lack in the church, and maybe even in this room, is hope. We need a perfect brightness of hope. So tonight, let's talk about hope. Let's talk about faith, hope, and charity. Let's talk about hope and whether or not you have hope. And if you don't, where do you get it? 
And what happens if you don't? Allow, let me just be a little bit negative for a second so I can show you why we're going to address this. In the very last chapter of the Book of Mormon, Moroni chapter 10, is this haunting verse. It haunts me. I will tell you honestly, this verse haunts me. The last chapter of the Book of Mormon, Moroni says, if you have no hope, you must needs be in despair. Now, when we talk about mental and emotional health, doesn't that scream out? If you don't, this is Moroni 10, last chapter of the Book of Mormon. If ye have no hope, ye must needs be in despair. And despair become, comes because of iniquity. And that's exactly what I want to talk about. Is how is it that our iniquity takes away our hope? And if you don't have hope, you must needs be in despair. So wouldn't that suggest that one of the great keys to lift us mentally and emotionally is to have hope? Remove the despair that comes into our life when we lack hope. So what is hope? Let's define that. Go ahead. Oh, well, I just had another question that's not going on. Okay, if we don't answer it, you'll, yeah. let's yeah. save it. What is hope? Let me... Let me see if I can make it very practical. Faith says, I believe God answers prayers. That God answers prayers. That there is a supreme being who answers prayers. That's an act of faith. Hope says, I believe God will answer my prayers. You see the difference? Faith says, I believe in miracles. Hope says, I believe miracles will happen and I expect miracles to happen to me. See the difference? Faith says, I believe Jesus came to save sinners, that Jesus will save sinners. He actually saves imperfect people. That's faith. Hope would say, I believe, I expect him to save me. I expect him to save me. Go ahead. Um, as you were kind of explaining, I kind of thought of like how faith and hope are like interconnected, right? So you have faith, like you said, I have faith that God, let, let's just make this very broad or whatever the word is. I have faith that God will save me at the last day. Hope, to have hope and to say I hope God saves me, that's not enough. You have to you have to be taking actions throughout this entire life to to work towards that hope, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you can't just say, I, I hope I get this job, but not read up on the trainings or not read up on how the work environment is and Good. You, you know, and then you get not hired and you're like, Well what the heck? And they're like, Well, you didn't know what the trainings were, you didn't know the things we asked you to read up on before your interview or whatever. Good. And so a hope has to have have actions behind it, kind of like how they say faith without works is dead. So it's is kind hope. Of, it's kind of, yeah, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. It's yeah. Like Let me build on that whole complicated issue because it, where does faith usually ho lie in the trilogy? We always say faith, hope, charity, as if first you have faith and 
then you have hope. And that's certainly true. The more faith you have, the more hope you should have. But if you look at this same chapter, chapter 7 of Moroni, and you go to verse 40, tell me what's, what's the order suggested here. Tell me what's the order. I would speak unto you concerning hope. How is it that you can attain unto faith, save you shall have hope? What's the order suggested here? You can't have faith without hope. And if you have faith, it leads to hope. Hence, this is not an interdependent. I mean, they are connected. Faith and hope are connected. So let me give you an example of a couple people who have faith and don't hope. Let me show you in the scriptures some examples. And I want you to think in your life, do you know people who have faith and lack hope? Tell, describe that person. I believe Jesus saves. I just don't think he's going to save me. Why in the world would he want to save me? Because I know my iniquity. Do you remember what Moroni said? If you don't have hope, you must needs be in despair. And despair cometh because of iniquity. Why in the world would he want to save me? That's a lack of hope. I know he saves. I just don't know if he would save me. Now, how many do you know? How many moments in your life have you lacked hope? And how many people do you love that lack hope? I expect God to do miracles. I just don't know if he'd ever want to do them to me. Let me show you a couple of examples. First, let me point out Laman and Lemuel. Whoops. Let me point out Laman and Lemuel. Okay. First Nephi chapter 15, they had a few questions. What does this mean? What does that mean? Nephi said, have you inquired of the Lord? Have you asked God? And imagine someone you love having a problem and you saying, well, have you asked Heavenly Father? Did you ask Heavenly Father about that problem? Now, let me cover up. Let me, I'm going to move this down here. Let me cover up. Sorry, I'm going to get in the way from some of you. But let me cover up the last two words of the sentence. And if they had said this, tell me what they lack. If this was their response, have you asked God? If they had said, we have not, for the Lord maketh no such thing known. Tell me what they lack. What are they saying? God doesn't speak. And that's an act of faith. No, I haven't asked God because God doesn't answer. That's a lack of faith, right? That's not what they said. Tell me what they said. He doesn't answer me. Why are they asking Nephi? What's the assumption? He's, he'll speak to you. But he won't speak to me. Do you see what they lack? I would suggest that Laban and Lemuel didn't lack faith. They lacked hope. It won't work for me. Everyone else, yes. Not me. Because of my iniquity. My shortcomings. 
my faults. You see the lack of hope? Let me give you another example. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I just kind of off that lane a little stuff. Like, if you look back, I actually recently just watched a, the Book of Mormon video when Nephi was commanded to build that ship. <clears throat> and Lamon Lemuel kind of kind of moaning and griping about it. And the Lord spoke to Nephi and said, Stretch forth thy hand, and I will shock them, <laughs> and let them know that I am with thee. And so he did that. Like, they knew. Like, they had the faith. Like, because, like, like, they got shocked. And so many other experiences had told them and They couldn't deny that. And they, they had the faith. They just chose to rebel against it. But, and and uh, there's a lot that went into it. But like you said, they I, I honestly believe too that they lacked a lot of hope. Because we know that they had the faith. Because I, had they not had enough faith, they would have stayed in Jerusalem. Yeah. And perished. They right. There is no promised land. Gone. And God doesn't want us to go there. And yeah. You're right. But they didn't lack faith. They lacked hope. Let me show you another one, the brass serpent. Do you remember when the Israelites were wandering around? Oh, go ahead. I would actually argue that a lack of hope will eventually lead to a lack of faith. Yeah. And again, do you see that connection? Because does faith come first or does faith come second? The base, one of the ways that I see it is that if you do lack of hope, you're... Whenever you lack hope and say, oh, it, it's not going to happen for me. It happens for everyone else except uh, on one exception. First off, that's putting limits on the Lord's atonement. Mm -hmm. So... And his love. And his love. And every word so, he's ever given. He loves everyone but quite me. simply, it definitely does feel like that's a lack of faith. I hate to say it because if you think that his love... His moment is everything has limits. It's going to creep into your faith. And you truly don't understand them. You got it. And because of that, your faith is compromised. You got it. Let's do this one. Let's do the brass serpent. Do you remember when they're wandering in the wilderness and the Lord sent fiery flying serpents and he provided a way? All they had to do is look. All they had to do was look, that whosoever would look might live. And many did look and live. Now, verse 20 is a puzzle. And allow me to be a little bit in your face today because I've watched too many of you do the same thing. I have watched good Latter-day Saints not understand the meaning of these things because of the hardness of their hearts. And there are so many. There are many today. There are some in this room who are so hardened that they will not look. Now, again, let me do it again. And the reason they will not look is they do not believe that it will heal. If we end the sentence there, it's a lack of faith. There are people who won't turn to Christ because they don't believe Christ will heal, period. But then there's a whole other group of people who believe he will heal, just not them. Read that sentence again and think of people you love. The reason they will not look 
is because they don't believe it will heal them. They're so quick to see miracles in other lives, but they don't expect miracles in there. Now, back to this. Tell me what a lack of hope is doing over here and doing over here. Let me do one more. Let's do New Testament. If you want to try to encourage you to mark this one, because I think this is the best of them all. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. If you want to join me. verse in the Book of Mormon that actually connects hope to faith as well, in which it says that that faith is things that a thing is, are things which are hoped for. Hoped for you, you'll, which are true. Once you start looking for it, you'll see them everywhere. Faith and hope. I want to talk about this man full of leprosy. This is Luke 5. Luke 5 verse 12. Now tell me, back in the day, if I had leprosy, what would all, all of you be doing right now? You would run from me. The moment I came into a building, you would run from me. Now, that's a beautiful symbol because I think that's how people who lack faith see themselves. Is Jesus runs from me. If I were to approach the Savior, I expect him to run from me like a man full of leprosy. And so here is a man full of leprosy. Jesus approaches and he yells out. Now look, look at what he said. What did he know? I know you can. I just doubt that you will. Not for me. If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. I know you can. I just don't know if you will. Now, how many people in the church today, how many people in your family, and maybe even you, have said, I know he can, but I don't know why in the world he would want to. If you have ever said that, would you understand that you have chosen to, to not have hope? That's a choice you've made. I choose to not have hope. And the result of that is, I know he can. And I know he said that he would. I just don't think that he will for me. Now, what does Jesus say to a man full of lepers? First of all, what does Jesus do? What does he do? He does something that no one else ever did. No one did. What does Jesus do? He went which direction? Towards him. He went towards him. For those of you who think Jesus would go away from you, you are wrong. You lack faith in him and you lack hope. He doesn't run the other direction. He went towards him and said two very beautiful words. I will. I will. I will in your life and in every life. I will. That's hope. 
Now, how many times has President Nelson told us to expect miracles in our lives? To expect a miracle is to say, I know he can, and I know he will. I don't know when or where or what he will do, and I'm not going to tell him how to bless me. But I know he will. That's hope. Hope does so many things in your life when you actually say, I know he will. Now, let me help you find, um, preach my gospel. Chapter 6, those of you who served absolutely love chapter 6, go to chapter 6 of Preach My Gospel while Abby tells us what she wants to say. Uh, No. He lacks hope because what's he saying? He said, if thou wilt, but I feel like he had to have at least some to ask. I want you to. I desire you to. But what would he have said if he had hope? How would the question have been different? Kill me. Lord, <laughs> instead of if thou wilt. Notice what, what's the word that kind of puts yeah. if. If you will, you so, can make me clean. So what's the difference in him asking if you will or if you would be? When thou wilt. And can you? Yeah. When thou wilt. Cleanse me. The if is the I don't know if you will. I don't know if you want to. I don't know if you care enough about me. And the when is I know you care enough about me. I'm going to let you choose when you bless me. And why is it that when in our prayers we are told to ask? What do you mean? Should we Typically, pray like... when we pray, we ask for things that, that we need rather than saying, saying will or i guess saying when will you you give me this yeah yeah we ask for the prayer but what's going on in the heart of someone who lacks hope i don't think i'm ever going to get it i think we can also compare this story with the, the woman with the issue of blood she knew that she could be healed if she just touched his robes. And not only that, but if we really understand it, where was the hem of his garment? This isn't the hem. The hem of his garment was a tassel that hung down, hung down right here. And when he walked, he would have thrown it over his shoulder. Where was the tassel? Where was the hem of his garment? So what did she do? She snuck up behind him. Because what did she think? I can't ask him. I can't ask him. He wouldn't want to. Do you see? It's so common. Turn with me to preach my gospel. So in your gospel library, go to preach my gospel. Uh, A lot of ways to get there. Handbooks and callings, missions, preach my gospel. Section six, develop Christ-like attributes. Now notice how they do it. Christ-like attributes start with, which one? Faith. And then, hope. Hope. Let's read, I know they've changed it, but let's read this paragraph. Hope is not simple, wishful thinking. Instead, it is an abiding confidence grounded in your faith in Christ that God will fulfill His promises 
to you. Keyword, you. Faith is an abiding confidence grounded in your faith in Christ that God will fulfill his promises to you. Next sentence. Michelle, would you read that? It is the expectation of good things to come through Christ. I know he will. I don't know when and I don't know what the blessing will be, but I know he will. Your ultimate source of hope is Jesus. And then he just, as you center your hope in Christ, hope gives you confidence that God will magnify your diligent righteous efforts. Hope is magic. Hope is life-changing. Hope is the moment that says it's going to work in my life. That everything's going to be okay for me. Hope is a choice. Now, you choose hope. You choose hope. Hope is a choice. Hope is trusting that God will fulfill his promises to you. Let me have you turn to Alma chapter 13. I love the wording here. And so I want to end here. Alma chapter 13, I just think we've got to skip a little bit because this is a very long phrase. But allow me to connect the beginning with the end. Let me start in verse 27. Now, does anyone know where Alma is speaking in chapter 13? What's the setting here? This is the wicked city of Ammoniah. The city that's about to be destroyed for their wickedness, where they burn the women and the children. And yet Alma says in that setting, I wish from the inmost part of my heart, with great anxiety even unto pain, that. Now there's a big long list here, and I don't want the list to dilute the very end. I would, with every ounce of my soul, that you what? Have hope that ye shall receive eternal life. Keyword, which one? You. I expect to be saved with all my imperfections. I desire to be saved. I am progressing grace for grace. I grant myself a probationary state to make mistakes. I understand the doctrine and I expect to be saved. I expect that he will bless me. That's hope. And that's a choice you make. Do you choose to have hope? Or do you choose to doubt and be in despair? Every one of you get to choose. Faith is a choice. Hope is a choice. Charity is a gift. But faith is a choice. I choose to have faith and I choose to have hope. So let me leave you with, turn to the hymn book. Turn to hymn number 187. 
And I would encourage you to say this to yourself every day until you believe it. And when you believe it, expound on it and say, I know he will bless me and I expect to be saved. I have hope that I shall receive eternal life. I have hope that his promises are going to be fulfilled in my life and that I will have eternal life. Hymn number 187. Anyone want to read verse 3 for me? I would encourage you to memorize this, to say it to yourself every single day. Please. Oh, happy love divine, what debt of gratitude is mine, that in his offering I have part and hold a place within his heart. When you believe that, that I hold a place in his heart, I matter to him. I matter to him. And if I were the only person on earth, he would atone for me. I hold a place in his heart. Have hope. Grant yourself the gift of having hope. Because if you don't, if ye have no hope, ye must needs be in despair. The Book of Mormon is pleading with you to have hope. Jesus, I am absolutely convinced with every ounce of my soul, is asking you to have hope in him, hope in his promises to you. Stop doubting. Stop tearing yourself down and stop assuming that he doesn't love you and he doesn't care. And allow yourself to believe that he does. I have a part of his heart and he genuinely cares. I matter. I matter to him. I testify that's true. I say that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.